Wow, I cannot believe it's nearing the end of October already. Wondering how things are doing in your world. Things have been pretty good in mine. Um, the ups and downs of life, of course, but I've been getting back into more movement again, which just feels so damn good on my body, even if it doesn't feel that way necessarily in the moment. But particularly for you, those of you out there that are in that perimenopause time of life, you know, over age 35, really into the rest of your life, Movement is so, so important, not only for the physical benefits, but also for me, the emotional mood balancing benefits. Never noticed how much it impacted my mood when I was younger. I'm not sure if it did or not, but it sure does now. And I'm just able to handle everything that comes my way a little bit better or a whole lot better if I am taking care of my body by moving it enough. Sometimes that means, you know, hard movement like HIT or um, more high intense cardio. And sometimes that means yoga. Like last night I did some yoga, you guys. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so tight. And you know, it's funny when you've done something for years and years of your life and then you just don't do it for a little while and you try it again. You're like, I'm a beginner. And your whole body just feels like, what the hell are you doing? But afterwards, I felt amazing and I feel great today. So highly recommend if that's something that has fallen off your plate to find your way back to it. Um, it's going to make your hormones work better, I guarantee you, no matter what time of life you are in. Speaking of hormones, I'm really pumped for a free webinar that I am hosting here in just a couple of weeks on November 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is called What the Hell Are My Hormones Doing? And the reason I decided to pull this little uh, webinar presentation together for you is because I see the biggest issue with my clients and you know people that follow me on social media and just kind of the questions that come at me, so much of it has to do with not understanding actually what your hormones are supposed to be doing throughout the month, throughout your cycle. And that's because we were never taught it, right? I mean, I've only learned this information in the past few years, and that's because I really went and seeked it out. So to me, knowledge is power. And if you don't understand what things should be like, then how can you understand when things are wrong? You don't know what is wrong. You think, you know, well, this is normal being a woman, having these issues around my period, and none of that is true. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. This is what my estrogen should be doing at this point in my cycle. This is what my progesterone are, what they do for your body, for your hormones. And the release of the month, it's pretty fascinating when you dive into it and it really so it's going to be a super quick um webinar 30 minutes because i know west coast it's you know maybe grab it first thing in the morning if you're another part of the world enroll sign up for the webinar then you will get a copy busy busy and um you know and make sure everyone has access to it but you got to sign up to be able to tuning in live because it does make a difference you know you're tend to be more fair. So that's happening November 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern State, christinegarvin.com. You'll see at the very top of the website, 
what the hell are my hormones doing? And then you can hit sign me up and be enrolled. You also, I mean, there's, I guess I have to think of a third one to say win, win, win. It's in there though, I promise. Second of this third season, in case you missed last week's episode, it was fantastic since I've done that interview with her. So many things have been popping up in my impact, our health and our hormones. It's crazy. I mean, more and more studies are showing intestines and see how these toxins impact us, which hasn't been very uh, good or it because it may be the missing link in some of your hormone issues. But today, amazing woman that leads a community called Black Carnivore and did all kinds of stuff by taking on this diet. She lost aces that she had. I mean, it's pretty powerful. Um, so I have seen it work for people that, um, nothing else works. So, um, you know, I think there are many therapeutic approaches out there for people, um, especially if you've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. So I know that you will love this. So let's go ahead and dive in. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. Glad you are here as always. I'm actually really, really excited this week. I know I say every week that I'm excited and I am, but I'm really excited this week because I've been wanting to have somebody on the podcast for quite some time now to talk about the carnivore diet. If this isn't something that you've heard about, it's going to be very interesting to you. I guarantee it's definitely a different way of approaching eating than probably anybody's ever told you about before. Definitely a doctor has not told you about before. And I've seen it work with some clients of mine. I've seen it work with some of my colleagues very, very well when nothing else is working. So today on the podcast, we have Ade Fox, who is a health coach and founder of the Black carnivore community. Fox lost 80 pounds, regained her health on a carnivore diet, and then turned in to help others find the same success. She runs a carnivore coaching community, a growing Facebook community, hosts a podcast and a weekly live stream on YouTube. If you're interested in a strong supportive community of carnivores, you'll want to follow her on her YouTube and Instagram, which is at Black Carnivore, to stay on top of all that she is doing. You can also find her at her website, blackcarnivore.com backslash apply now. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Yes. So as I mentioned, you know, to you before and mentioned here at the top of the podcast that this is something that I just find fascinating, <laughs> the carnivore diet. And I've sort of like tipped my way into it a little bit at different moments and then kind of like pulled back. So I'm really curious to hear, you know, A, for those that don't know what carnivore is, I want you to definitely explain that and then to hear your story of how you got into it. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a, a wonderful way of eating and, um, you know, super easy to do. I know sometimes people feel a little bit uh, hesitant. It feels kind of complicated. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think a lot of 
well, a lot of the people that we get trying it initially are, um, you know, people who have sort of given up on the, the complexities of the keto diet and tracking macros and all of that, and who just want to give up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really, I think a, uh, a carnivore diet is, you know, just as it says, eating only from the animal kingdom. Now, um, you know, a, a scientists sort of define a hyper carnivore as any animal that eats 70% or more of its daily calories from animal sources. So by that definition, basically anybody who's following, you know, very clean keto is a carnivore gotcha. all the way up to someone like me, who's really only eating from the animal kingdom. Yeah. So the kind of the way I talk about it in my community is, um, you can do strict, moderate, or relaxed carnivore. So strict okay. carnivore would be, you know, you're really only eating from the animal kingdom, no coffee, no spices, not if, nothing like that. You're just eating eggs, you know, any kind of dairy, any kind of cow, any kind of fish, any kind of, you know. And that's um, hardcore when you pull coffee out for people, right? <laughs> that's it can a tough be, one. <laughs> it can be, right. Um, although I am, I go on and off coffee. So I'm now on day three of no coffee. Um, there are definite benefits to doing no coffee. So if that's something you're thinking about, you know, don't, um, don't hesitate to give it a try. Yeah. Uh, and then moderate, uh, moderate carnivore would include the coffee would include herbs and spices, um, maybe avocado olives. These are low sugar fruits and, um, you know, and stuff like that. And then if you, uh, are able to tolerate more, you might do relaxed carnivore on the weekends, you know, that, or I don't know, maybe more often than that. So that would be people who also include artificial sweeteners and, and make carnivore desserts or add some to their coffee or choose to have, like, if they're out at a restaurant and a, you know, a vegetable side comes, they choose to have it or they have it occasionally. Mm-hmm. So that category, you know, you often, and hear people talk, sort of talking about ketovore. So, uh, you know, that would kind of be in that category. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I want it to be easy and for people not to feel like overly, um, like it's, it's too complicated. Right. You know, there is a way for you to, to, um, to fit carnivore into your life. Um, and it's important to remember, you know, you're not trying to get a diet, um, you know, force your life into a diet. You're trying to f- get the life to fit into, or sorry, get the diet to fit into your life. You know, right, right. this is something that you want to do that sustainable that you want to do long term. So you don't want to do something that's like, you know, super challenging or just doesn't fit for you. And then you also have to think about your goals. You know, I mean, if you're trying to, uh, you know, deal with acute disease or, you know, you've got cancer, then yeah, you're going to need to be super strict, (laughs) but, um, you know, but if you only have a few pounds to lose, or, you know, you're trying to, um, deal with your autoimmune disease, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can be a little bit more, um, loose, uh, you know, it really kind of depends on what your goals are, what you're trying to do and, um, what you're willing to tolerate, you know, and I found for me when I went, uh, we're going to get into that later, but when I went carnivore and then also took out dairy, my asthma went away. Yeah. And, um, that was like a game changer for me. So for me, like, you know, I, I mean, initially it was like, Oh my God, no cheese. I know know? cheese and coffee are the two biggest (laughs) things people do not want to take out of their diet. Right. But then it was like, oh, I can breathe. I don't need yeah. my inhaler. I mean, I haven't used my inhaler in years. Right. I still That's get amazing. it filled just, just so for emergencies. But right. like, you know, so for me, like, uh, you know, the, um, 
the uh, payoff for being very strict is very high. Yeah. But for someone else who maybe doesn't have as you know acute as stuff, like maybe they're willing to tolerate feeling eighty five percent instead of feeling ninety nine percent, and um, in order to have you know that thing, whatever right. it might be, it's kind of so, meeting people where they're at. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's the way I, you know, encourage you to look at carnivore mm-hmm. and, um, and then, you know, just kind of ease into it and kind of figure out from there, like how you want to do it, what you want it to look like. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is I do see a lot of people coming from, from keto and who want to do, you know, who say they don't eat beef or pork. And so they want to do it, um, eating chicken and fish. And that is, um, that I don't see that working, yeah. you know, for most part, people are, you know, hungry and tired and yeah. you really, um, you really need to eat ruminant animals of some kind. So it's fine if you don't eat beef, but then you need to eat lamb or you need yeah. to eat goat or bison or elk or, you know, cause they're packed with ruminant. nutrients. I mean, that's yeah. the reality, right? I think a lot of people, there's been such a negative, you know, uh, connotation or negative, um, you know, uh, headlines, I'd say like studies, all this kind of stuff is trying to say that meat is bad. Right. And we really are missing out on historically, like it's so nutrient dense, you know? And so often it's just people maybe can't digest it very well. There's, you know, different things going on. And so I can see, yeah, if you go fully carnivore, like just eating the white meats, isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So how did you find your way into carnivore? Well, I, you know, I had been following keto. I started on a keto diet in 2015 and I went on to lose uh, 80 pounds. I, um, and did you do it originally for weight loss purposes or yeah, other? Okay. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> well, you know, in the beginning, I mean, well, when I first, first started, mm-hmm. I was in terrible physical shape. You know, I had plantar fasciitis. Um, my knees were killing me. Like I was going down this, I live in a, a third floor walk up and I, you know, I used to take the subway and all that stuff all the time. And I used to have to go down the stairs backwards because my mm-hmm. knees just hurt so much. Wow. And uh, yeah. And I was, you know, and I'd wake up in the morning and it would take me like five minutes to kind of warm up my body to be able to get up and get out of bed. And I was just like, man, it, you know, is this it? Like, right. Right. You know, yeah, you're like, it's only going to go down from hill from here. Right. Yeah. 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 And I finally just got to the point where I was like, you know, I was, I think I was 44 and I said, you know, this is it. Like if this is middle age, fine, but I want to start higher on the hill. And so I, you know, made it a a decision that I was going to do everything I could to, um, you know, to be in the best shape possible for, you know, a middle-aged black woman. Mm -hmm. That was my, my goal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I tried a couple of different diets, but then finally, you know, kind of landed on keto and like, that was it like that, you know, that solved the hunger problem, the energy problem suddenly. Um, I mean, you know, definitely the first six weeks for me was a nightmare, you know, I go through the keto flu or whatever they call it. Well, I think that I'm addicted to sugar. So for right. me, it was withdrawals. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, the keto mm-hmm. flu is a lot, usually is really about electrolytes and, mm. you know, and I had a little bit of that too, you know, but the, for, for me, the bigger part was really coming off that sugar. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and for, for, 
you know, this is of course more of interest to women, but I think that I had systemic yeast. So I was constantly dealing with yeast infections, but, um, on keto that improved, but when I went carnivore, it just stopped and I I have not had one since. Yeah. So for me, I think like, I just was really my gut, you know, my gut biome was like built for sugar. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So (laughs) those bad guys are like, give it to me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think that's too, also why keto was effective. Like if I had been starting keto now, when there are all these different keto products, like Mm -hmm. I I don't think I ever would have gotten into ketosis. I would have been totally Mm -hmm. confused. Mm -hmm. But back then in 2015, you know, that we weren't even using the word keto. So there wasn't a lot of products. It was like, buy some meat, buy some vegetables, you know, buy some blueberries and that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I started. But even with that, I think that it still kept alive a lot of my craving, you know, it kept alive, you know, my cravings and some of my insulin resistance and, and the, you know, whatever the biome part, um, that, you know, just loves sugar. Yeah. So when I actually went carnivore, like that's really where the dramatic change came in, in terms of, um, you know, my health improvements, my energy improvements and, um, my, uh, you know, my mental health and my mental ability to be focused, get rid of completely get rid of all the brain fog and, um, you know, and, and all the cravings and all of that. So that was, you know, there really was for me, me a very, very stark difference between keto and uh, carnivore. And then finally, um, I also have a lot of autoimmune disease, you know, so I have asthma, eczema and allergies. And, uh, you know, this has been a problem, you know, throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't actually diagnosed until asthma until very uh, late, but it, you know, they diagnosed me with allergy induced asthma. So basically I get so inflamed <laughs> that it causes my, my inability to breathe. Wow. So, uh, you know, when I was following keto, I was doing well in terms of losing weight, but my breathing was getting worse and worse. And so mm-hmm. by the end, I ended up in, I think it was in uh, January of 2018, I ended up in um, uh, urgent care twice that month um, because I just couldn't breathe. Wow. And so, you know, I had to have the nebulizer, they give me prednisone, the, you know, Advair and, the, you know, um, like the inhalers, the, uh, the long, the long acting ones, and as well as the short acting ones. And, um, you know, just they just kind of threw, yeah. yeah, they threw yeah. everything at me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, then it became clear, like, okay, there's really a big problem here. And so, like I said, once I took out that dairy and I went carnivore, like it was a dramatic difference. Um, and you know, I've never really looked back since then. So, so did, that's how I got to carnivore. Okay. That's no, that's great. No, no, that was great. Cause I I'm always fascinated. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think probably some of the people listening are like, oh, it's extreme to be carnivore, right? Mm. So it's really important, I think, for people to understand the progression. And what I've seen for people that have used carnivore, it's usually they're in pretty bad shape on some level, whether autoimmunity, you know, uh, just their gut won't heal no matter what they do, et cetera. Um, I do have to ask because my, you know, general tiptoeing into carnivore, um, part of why it's been a little tougher for me is I lost half my colon in a surgery that went awry and led to more surgeries. And so, I mean, my microbiome is, I'm still rebuilding it and everything too, but I definitely, when I've stepped into carnivore have gotten into what I've heard can happen in the beginning of carnivore, which is just like crazy loose stools for a while. Is that something that happened to you? 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it can happen for a number of reasons. And so it took me some time to kind of um, figure out those reasons and Mm -hmm. to adjust them. But I think also part of it is that you're just, you know, you're building a whole new microbiome. microbiome. Right. And, uh, you know, in that interim period, it's not happening. (laughs) It's like, what (laughs) is going on here? Yeah. 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 So do you remember how long that transition was till things kind of firmed back up? Well, I think it was longer than it needed to be for Mm -hmm. me because I was doing things. So um, I actually created a video called Common Problems, Common Solutions to go over, you know, those specific things that I see um, people, the most common things that I see people doing wrong in the beginning that, you know, sort of prolongs that their discomfort. Mm -hmm. So for me, one, it was trying to eat too much protein in one sitting. Mm. So I think that our stomach acid is, you know, very well able to deal with, um, you know, with protein and with these kinds of foods. But, you know, if you've come from the standard American diet where, you know, you're eating a lot of uh, carbs, whether it's in the form of vegetables or it's in the form of candy and cake, Mm -hmm. um, Um, that actually reduces the acidity of your stomach. And so initially you might not, um, you might not have enough stomach acid to be able to uh, digest, you know, a pound or two pounds Mm -hmm. of beef. And Mm -hmm. so when people, you know, see these pictures on Instagram of somebody sitting down to a two pound ribeye and they're like, all right, yes, I'm doing it. I'm there for you. It's like, your stomach is just not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Your stomach's like, no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's not that you can't ever do it. It's right. just that you're not ready in the beginning. And then it's like, over it's time, like you can't go lift like a hundred mm-hmm. pounds the first time you go work out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Work up to exactly. Yeah. And then the other problem too, is a lot of people struggle with heartburn. And so the standard medication um, actually is designed to reduce the acidity in your stomach. Right. So, um, you know, if you've ever been a person that, you know, just took a lot of Tums or if you, you know, on PPIs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to have that trouble. And what we're trying to do is make the stomach more acidic, Right. but it's funny, you know, you can, until you, um, get to the point where you can digest, you know, what can happen is you can have a lot of heartburn. You can have like a bloated feeling. You can feel like there's a rock sitting in your stomach. Um, and then you can have a a lot of diarrhea. That's the common thing, you know? So a lot of times people like, don't know what to do, or they take Tums, which makes it worse, or, you know, they take various kinds of medications. So, you know, really, I think the best solution is um, just eat smaller meals. Right, (laughs) right. Don't try to eat two pounds at once. (laughs) You're like, we're keeping it simple here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, beyond that, the other thing that people do is eating too much liquid fat. So, Mm. um, you know, we've come from a low fat world. Everyone's talking about low fat. And so, you know, our systems aren't really designed and ready to deal with a lot of fat and certainly not a lot all at once, which is again, you know, the two pound ribeye. Right. So um, I tell people to don't drink the liquid fat. So when you're making, sometimes people make ground beef crumbles and they'll pour (laughs) all of that into a bowl and there'll be a lot of fat in there. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like cereal. Yeah. (laughs) But um, the liquid fat is fine to consume, but when it's in its liquid form, it just moves to your system really fast and it's just going to cause diarrhea. Right. Your gallbladder doesn't have time to like catch up and release all the bile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you just want to, you know, eat solid 
fat. So yeah. that means, you know, on a piece of steak, the, the fatty, you know, uh, cap that's on it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the liquid stuff that's rendered out in the pan, you don't want to have that, or you, you know, save it for later or save it just for cooking, but don't like actually consume it. Um, and over time you'll be able to build up and, and then you will be able to drink that bowl. Like I didn't used to be able to, but now I can. Um, yeah. and you know, and it's fine, uh, at least for my stomach. So, um, so that's to, something to consider. And I'm actually, um, yeah. So I, you know, if people want to look at that video, that will help you kind of pinpoint, you know, lots of things. There's also salt and uh, making sure that you're consuming enough. Cause that's a big part of producing the stomach acid. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so people will complain of either diarrhea or constipation and the constipation is often not enough salt. Mm-hmm. Salt is mm-hmm. a very much a part of the process of forming like a normal stool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you sometimes recommend, or do people need some HCL in the beginning, assuming they don't have as a reflux heart burn that kind of thing to support their system for a little while and and then get into not needing it as much yeah i mean i you know i would try like for one or two meals like just bringing the the rendered fat down and making the meals smaller mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and if that helps then you know you don't really need to uh, right. get into the hcl but you know if you're struggling or in, in discomfort get you know get the hcl i mean i kind of wished that I had done it, you know, for a little bit, cause mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, there's no reason to be in that kind of discomfort. Right. So, right. uh, yeah, so get it. And if you, even if you do have heartburn, I mean, that is a reason to get it. Um, mm-hmm. because that, that is one of the common signs that you're not digesting right. the, the protein properly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what about probiotics? Is that something that you take when you're carnivore or, or is that you don't feel like you need? I, I haven't, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, over the years I've gone on and off of trying to take probiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't really noticed a difference for me Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's, you know, it's such a challenge to find ones that are you know, live, I don't know, Mm -hmm. make, yeah, make it to your gut alive. So I just, um, I just haven't had good luck with them on my own. And, and there was a time when I was trying to deal with the yeast with my gynecologist who had suggested, you know, a series of probiotics as well as diflucan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we tried this and it really didn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, certainly a dietary change is going to have a much more, much bigger impact, yeah. but I have heard of people with SIBO and with other kinds of stuff combining, you know, carnivore with, um, some probiotics and, and maybe even, um, I've heard of people doing fecal transplants, yeah. um, and having sure. some success. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I, yeah, it depends on where your table. Yeah. Where your microbiome lands, I guess, when it comes down to it. So, and this is, you know, I dive into these things. I'm like, let's talk poop. Anyways, at this point, do you have kind of the like daily once a day, twice a day bowel movement? No, not it less? daily. Okay. It's less. less with carnivore. So what is kind of yeah. the average that you're looking for with carnivore? I mean, I think everybody, you know, has, sets their own rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't expect more than once a day that would make me think that there's something going, um, awry, but Mm -hmm. otherwise, um, 
you know, I don't, I, I just kind of judge by if you feel like you need to go and can't, then, then there's a problem and there's something to look at. Right. But if you don't feel like you need to go and you aren't going like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 It's such a, you know, I know taking that fiber out, right. It's going to be a completely different ball game than, you know, yeah. If you're, you're eating all this fiber, you're going to be getting more stuff out more consistently. And, and so I've, I've always wondered like how that works with the carnivore, you know, cause I know for, it sounds like for some people, they go not even necessarily daily on carnivore. Is that, that's the case? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a daily, yeah. daily yeah. bowel movement person, yeah. but you know, I, I mean, I feel like in, you know, the years prior, like I've always been a person that was trying to be health conscious and, mm-hmm. you know, eat my veggies and tried vegetarian mm-hmm. and tried to include more fiber and took supplements. Whenever I took fiber supplements, it was disastrous. Yeah. I mean, absolutely disastrous, yep. mm-hmm. but you know, but even still like throughout my twenties and, and teens, um, I, you know, I always had like stomach, um, disruptions, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, well, diarrhea or constipation or just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every kind of problem. And so, you know, going to the bathroom was not like an easy experience. So I was kind of expecting on carnivore for, you know, to have like, you know, just to have problems or, you know, something, but it was like immediately everything went silent. Like there was just no noise, no movement, no nothing, no discomfort. And I love how like after eating, my stomach still feels as flat as before eating. Like there's no distension. Yeah. There's no bloating. There's none of that. And it's like, wow, I didn't know that your digestive system could just be silently doing its job. And that's what, that's that's what the goal is, right? Is that we digest without having the gas and bloating that is so common in our culture, you know? So, um, and so so now like the whole process is just easy. You know, I used to be like, you'd have magazines and books and stuff in the bathroom. Now it's like in and out and I'm done and done. Yeah. And it's easy. You're like, my diet's easy and my pooping's easy. That's how, that's how we roll. I like it. So I do have to bring up um, oxalates because personally, this is something I just learned seven months ago when I did an oat test that I had high oxalates um, and that I actually have the genetic predisposition towards high oxalates of one of the genetic markers, you know, which I found was fascinating because I was vegan in my twenties and as it goes a lot of times, right. The first year feels great. And then you just like plummet. Right. But you just don't Mm -hmm. think it's the diet, right. It's everything, but the Mm -hmm. diet, or I'm not being strict enough or I'm not cleansing enough, you know, and now I look back and I'm like, I mean, among many things, I just need a lot of protein personally, but, Mm -hmm. and meat protein, but also the fact that I've, you know, have probably dealt with high oxalates for the long haul because it's a genetic, um, predisposition to it. So, you know, what happens? I I'm assuming you have some people come into your program that have the oxalate issue, right? And what happens with sort of the, like bringing down of, of, you know, these vegetables and then what they call oxalate dumping. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be um, an issue for people. Do you see that that's something that, that people have to deal with? Yeah. Although, um, 
I feel like it shows up in different ways for different people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had Sally Norton on my podcast and it was really awesome to like dive into the conversation with her. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of went in a different way than I was expecting, you know, I was sort of expecting to have the standard conversation about what are oxalates and how you get it and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, and all of that. But we um, started talking about endometriosis, which is something that I have struggled with. Mm. And um, we, you know, really dove deep in on the topic and its relationship to oxalates. Mm. And I I realized in speaking to her that, um, you know, oxalates present themselves as a problem in a lot of different ways. And the classic ways that, you know, you might be thinking about are not, I don't think they're what I experienced. Mm -hmm. So I started the carnivore diet and then like a year later, maybe, I don't know, seven or eight months later, I started hearing, um, you know, people, uh, Sally Norton talk about oxalates. And I was just kind of like, you know, well, like I've already been doing the carnivore diet. Like I, if I was dumping, I've dumped, you know, I'm not going to backtrack now and like try to have more carbs to slow down dumping. So I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, you're like a past the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm already there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of was like, well, you know, I've done all of the things, you know, that you can do to mm-hmm. lower oxalate. So I kind of stopped listening, you, gotcha. you know, is, is yeah. the point. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have any of like the, the skin stuff and, um, or, you know, crystals coming out or right, right. Vul- vulva pain. So like, I just kind of, stopped really listening to it. But then actually in talking to her, I realized that, you know, these oxalates can come out all over the body in lots Mm -hmm. of different places. And, um, that, that may in fact be, you know, significant part of the scar tissue that Mm. is endometriosis Mm. and, um, and, yeah. And that's a silent problem, you know? So I, I wasn't having pain until all of a sudden, you know, I had to have emergency surgery, almost died. And so, you know, it's like this silent thing that's sort of building up, building up, building up. And, um, you know, so, yeah. So, uh, and a lot of the people that I work with, I mean, I think, I don't know, this is sort of an interesting, I mean, I guess sort of an interesting cultural thing, but I feel like a lot of the people, uh, you know, veganism and, um, you know, doing a lot of juicing and stuff hasn't been super common in the black community right. for, you know, it's, it's something that's becoming more common. And right. so the people that I work with typically, you know, haven't come from a background of one where they're, they're eating, you know, four and five bushels of, of <laughs> kale uh, a day, <laughs> you know, kale and spinach a day. Yeah, yeah. And so the, you know, I think that when you see people doing that, you know, the oxalate damage, um, tends to look a certain way versus, you know, when, you know, you see somebody doing something different, it it presents itself in a different way. Yeah. So the typical signs that people have of this oxalate dumping, I don't really, I feel like I don't really see in the population Mm. I'm dealing with, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with people who have a hundred pounds to lose or trying to reverse diabetes, bring down high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said, you know, it is something that I look for and think about now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I actually, you know, have started, um, adding, uh, um, calcium, uh, supplements back into my diet, because that is one way that the oxalates are, 
um, you know, drawn out of your body. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, I started mm-hmm. on that right away and I, um, you know, I've had to put a couple of my clients on low ox diets and same thing, get that, you know, that cow citrate in with your meal, it's going to help bind to it and, and get it out. And instead of that, you know, I mean, I think, and I realized I didn't really explain oxalates to people that don't know what they are, but, you know, it's, it's basically this compound that's in vegetables and, um, you know, some people call it an anti-nutrient and basically vegetables have these different anti-nutrients quote unquote, in order to help protect them, right. Because they want to survive our digestive system and come out the other end and plant and continue to thrive. Right. But Um, I think a lot of times we think, oh, vegetables are so easily digested. And the reality is there are lots of these components. So, you know, like fiber, we don't, you know, break down, like it, it comes out the other end. Um, and so with the oxalates in particular, you know, I think kidney stones are what's probably most people, if they've heard of oxalates sort of understand that kidney stones come from that because it's dumping into your kidneys and creating these stones, but it can show up. I mean, fibromyalgia, there's some studies I've read that, you know, seem or they're thinking that there's some connection with oxalates and fibromyalgia because it's just dumping these crystals in your joints and causing this pain, you know? So it's, it's fascinating. I think, you know, when you get into something like the carnivore diet, because it kind of tackles all these different areas without you necessarily even knowing about them. Right. Cause most yeah. people don't necessarily know about oxalates unless they yeah. have a kidney issue, you know, or, or kind of well, going carnivore, it. I think really helps cl- crystallize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I may <laughs> use that sh- fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and clarify really how problematic vegetables can be because right. oxalates is one of several right. of the anti-nutrients that cause a lot of problems for people. Mm-hmm. And we have focused more on like, you know, maybe the, the problems that gluten causes for people with celiac disease. And, mm-hmm. um, but there's also phytates and lectins and, um, uh, Oh gosh. And others. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, there's yeah, a yeah, whole, yeah. those are the big ones. Yeah. Those three are the big ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I think that carnivores benefits, I mean, both come from being a ketogenic diet. So it yeah. is important to me to be in ketosis and I maintain that, but it's also about removing, um, a lot of these plant compounds that, you know, some people I think are maybe more sensitive to, yeah. or maybe we're all, you know, who knows, but yeah. Yeah. Removing those plant compounds has a dramatic difference that doesn't happen on a ketogenic diet. Right. Right. And, you know, to sort of add to that point, like whether we're all sensitive to all these things, you know, I think a lot of times people are like, why are our bodies not working in the way that they're designed to work? And, you know, you have to think about the amount of stress that people are under these days, the amount of environmental toxins that are out there that are impacting our bodies and our ability to to digest properly for our liver to work, you know, so there's Um, sometimes I think if we lived on an Island where we were just like getting to be humans, then diet wouldn't matter so much. Right. We could probably eat more (laughs) of everything and be fine. But the reality is we live in a time that has a lot that's impacting our health. And so sometimes we really have to make this choice for a, you know, um, a stricter, if you want to call it, or just, um, a, a different pathway, than sort of what we've been told around our, our health and around our diet. So, yeah. and I think if I had started out as a, you know, a child, like 
not eating candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brownies. Right. You know, I might be in a different place right now. I might be able to tolerate more of these things. So yeah, yeah, and living in the middle of a city that's filthy and all of that. So yeah, yeah. And the Mm -hmm. yeah, genetics that are passed down to us too. So so how did you end up starting a community for black carnivores? Well, you know, I was in it by myself and I wondered if there were any other black people that were yeah. doing this. Um, you know, it is, I mean, it is a weird diet, you know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> people are like, what do you yeah. do? <laughs> what do you eat yeah. all the time? People, you know, people get confused yeah. and, um, you know, they, yeah. And, uh, and, and not even really understand what the word carnivore means. So right. people just, a lot of times, sometimes people think that just means I eat meat, you know, yeah. they're like, oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I, I really wanted to see if other people were doing this and, you know, the thing I think that food is, um, you know, I mean, some people say to me, oh, you know, what's the difference? Like food is food. Like, why do you have to create this separatist community? But it's, I don't think that food is food. You know, I, I am a, also a former anthropologist and I see, you know, food is how we carry culture from one mm-hmm. generation to the next. It's how we identify. It's how we communicate and connect with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how you build, um, you know, uh, you know, a community and how you build friendship and love and partnership with people. So food has a lot of meaning and power. And, um, and so you want to, um, so I think it's important to, you know, be able to respect people's cultural, um, you know, uh, ideas about food or their relationship to food. And so that means, you know, talking about like, if you're from the Caribbean, how do you do Caribbean, you know, food, keto or carnivore style, or how do you do soul food carnivore style? Mm-hmm. What do you do when, you know, you go to, um, you know, to a friend's a house or family. A, yeah. Yeah. Home for a big family dinner and you're not eating the mac and cheese. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's a point of discussion for yeah. the whole family. Yeah. So yeah. how are you going to respond? Right. Right. Um, and so providing that kind of support, I think is really important. And then unfortunately, I think, um, that the carnivore community has, uh, attracted a, you know, a wide audience, but there's a factor or a sector of that audience that I think is uh, very racist and very sexist mm-hmm. and, um, and AKA is a bro very- culture. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even say all guys, but (laughs) there is definitely some, uh, uh, a fringe of it, um, a somewhat vocal fringe of it who has a, um, you know, has a a pretty big audience. And so, um, you know, and I think that that is off putting. I mean, first of all, if you're trying to sell a weird diet, to people, don't be weird. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, try to bring this out to people. Like that's not appealing to right. your average population. Right. And um, and I want it to be open and and inclusive, so that you know, black people, people, you know, people of color, or um, you know, people, regardless of their uh, you know, sexual or gender identity, feel comfortable in the space. Mm-hmm. Like you want you know, you want to, to build a community where that is not a problem for people right. or they feel welcome. And right. I, you know, I feel passionate about this because I think the carnivore diet can br- provide such healing for people. And, you know, when you look at the, at least the American population, you know, we're <laughs> like obesity 
um, and just basic metabolic disease is just skyrocketing, you know, so people are not getting well and, um, and unless they want to be on medication for the rest of their lives and still decline, um, the only other option is to get on a ketogenic diet or uh, better yet, a carnivore diet, which Mm -hmm. provides even greater um, and more deeper healing for some people. Mm -hmm. So I want people to feel like there is a place, like if you are curious about this and you know, you want some support, there is a place for you that is not going to be weird, threatening, (laughs) um, you know, like a place where you're suddenly going to be in, you know, discussion or argument about, you know, the president, like, (laughs) there's a place. Right, 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 right. Gotcha. So is it, uh, is it a lot of black women that work with you or is it pretty balanced black women and black men and other people of color? What, what does that kind of break down? Well, I would say for me, it's mostly black women that Mm -hmm. I'm working with, but Mm -hmm. I think that's because, you know, right diet culture and coaching and all of that kind of stuff is just, you know, something that women do more frequently than men. Right. Um, but, um, I, there's a lot of husbands that are part of the community. Yeah. They get pulled um, in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for like, honey, you're doing this with me. (laughs) Yeah. Which is great. Actually it is much easier when, you know, a couple is together, um, you know, no matter what sex they are, like when you have somebody to do this kind of big shift in your life with is always easier. Well, I mean, that's a big part of this. You know, Mm -hmm. when we talk about following the carnivore diet, it's like your whole family dynamic changes when Mm -hmm. you change like how food is prepared and what you're eating, because everybody else then has to, you know, people either you know, stick their claim in the ground and say, I, you know, I'm going to live and die by Oreos or they Mm -hmm. say, mom, you know, I want you to be healthy. So Mm -hmm. we'll do whatever you're doing and, you know, and everything in between. So it is like a lot of that stuff has to be negotiated in the beginning and people need help, you know, kind of figuring out how to do that and getting the support to, to do that. So, Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's always, I think the biggest. So I don't think hurdle. men ever think about or talk about that kind of stuff, but it's like, they just like, I'm waiting for my food to come yeah, or like, I'm making my own food and this is how it is going to be. Right. But, they're like steak. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we have to think about all the other details. Right. Right. So in terms of the women that you work with, what are some of the biggest issues you see, you know, for black women in terms of their health? It, you know, is really diabetes or prediabetes, um, high blood pressure, uh, concern about uh, cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. members having cancer, you know, and and of course the weight. So that's, that's really. The weight is often the tipping point for anyone, right? To get Mm -hmm. motivated, I think a lot of times. um, Well, I'm actually dealing with older women. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the 45, 40 to, you know, um, to 60 range. Yeah. And so um, I feel like by that point, people are getting out of being just concerned about the aesthetics of it and more a kind of like, you know, I'm really, yeah, I'm really having a hard time keeping up with my kids and my knees hurt, you know, this energy thing is such a big thing. So when you, especially I'd say women, you know, that come to you that are in their forties going through perimenopause, do you really see carnivore as helpful during that time period? Absolutely. And I'm surprised by how many people say, um, well, one, they come out of menopause 
which I'm not sure is a good thing or not. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because ultimately, you know, the longer that we do have some estrogen, the better our bone health is, the better our, uh, brain health is heart health. So in some ways, you know, yeah, you know, not all women are excited and necessarily start their cycle again, but they're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) it definitely sparks some alarm, you know, a lot of going to the doctor, making sure that this isn't a sign that something else is going on, but yeah, I've definitely seen that. Um, also, a uh, significant reduction in like um, hot flashes and, um, you know, just general, the general discomforts of mm-hmm. a, um, of going, you know, through menopause. So yeah. those are the things that I, I generally see. And um, it's, yeah, it helps a lot for people. Yeah. Do you ever see and that- weight loss is, go oh, sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. Mm -hmm. um, You know, weight loss, of course, is, you know, people want that to come quickly. And um, the older we get, it just, it doesn't come quickly. It doesn't. So, um, you know, I, some of what, uh, you know, I'm doing is trying to help normalize that, help people Mm -hmm. to understand that, you know, a pound a week is normal. Yeah. Um, And plenty. If you want it, if you want it to be long-term, like you don't want to lose five pounds, seven pounds in a week, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I always say, if I could help you to do that, I would do that 100%, (laughs) you know, if it were at all possible, Yeah, yeah. but it's just, it's just not. And the older we are, like it's even, and the the more dramatic and and crazy the things we do, it makes it that much harder the next time around. And I really want people to put people on the last diet ever. So this is it, you know, you get down to your goal weight, you stay there, there's no problems, you know, and you're not having to like constantly going through these cycles of restriction and, and binge and all of that. Right. But the only way to do that is to, um, you know, to eat nourishing food, help your body to relax and understand that there is no famine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no reason for it to hold on to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that you are properly nourishing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, do you find that there's ever anybody that carnivore is not good for? I haven't found that to be the case. I mean, physically, I Mm -hmm. think that it is fine for anyone. Mm -hmm. It is, um, it is certainly healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, there are people who are more metabolically flexible. So, or they are just, you know, more resilient so Mm -hmm. they can add damaging food without it having like a long-term impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, those people can eat more of, you know, a standard American diet perhaps and do okay or right. at least for a while. Right. Right. But, um, but I think so physically, I, I think anybody is fine on it, but mm-hmm. mentally, you know, there are some people who don't want to eat beef or pork, I mean, they don't want to eat beef, um, or red meats, or I guess what they consider to be heavier meats. Um, they don't eat enough, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is a big problem, I think amongst women, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and so they're just not getting a lot of nutrients or they're the kind of person that wants to, control the food and control the portions and the macros so much that they get to the point of making unnatural foods so that these numbers come together perfectly. Mm. So, you know, eating a lot of shakes and adding, Mm. you know, liquid oils is not food. Right, right, right. So, you know, if you want to, um, 
have the convenience of maybe eating, you know, various kinds of protein bars and shakes and, and prepackaged foods that doesn't really work on carnivore. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of prepackaged. You gotta eat real food. Yeah. Yeah. I make jerky. So for me, like that is, you know, I've seen, I've seen some of the, like, uh, making waffles out of like, Mm -hmm. oh, egg yolks. Okay. Well, there's lots uh, yeah. of different ways different, that yeah. people do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we always got to find a way to get something like that seems like carbs in our diet, right? <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. I mean, for some people, that's, yeah, that's what gets them through. Um, there was one other thing that, oh, I, you know, I am curious about uh, um, doing, you know, blood tests and, and checking on your, your um, labs, you know, yearly, what have you, as people do. Do you see cholesterol going up? for people when they're on a carnivore diet? And is that even an issue? Yes. Um, it is very common for people's LDL to be pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, their HDL to also be high, mm-hmm. the tri- triglycerides to, um, lower significantly because that's and, connected to sugar for a lot of people that don't know that. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that is very common. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, you know, there, I definitely have people who express concern, their doctors, you know, say, Oh my God, doctors freak out. (laughs) Right. Right. And, um, I, in fact, I did an interview on my podcast with a carnivore cardiologist Mm. who answered all of these questions for me to really understand, um, you know, the, the relationship of, uh, insulin resistant sugar or, and fat to cholesterol and to heart attacks and ultimately Mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was really helpful to hear him lay that out. I mean, Mm -hmm. one, I didn't know that, um, insulin resistance and diabetes is the cause of heart disease. And he's, he said this like flat out and he's like, I operate on people and all the time I start testing people to see, you know, if they're diabetic and often they're saying, no, I'm not. And they are, (laughs) this is what's causing heart disease. It's not the fat. And it's not the cholesterol. The cholesterol is, um, you know, that's a, it's, you know, there's a lot of variation in cholesterol This, you know, the different types and yeah. what they mean. And so um, it, if you really want to make a difference on cardiovascular disease, according to him um, and, you know, and, and others um, in the field, they say, you know, you got to deal with the insulin resistance and that is the sugar consumption and the carb consumption. So, um, so for the people I work with, you know, I point them to, to that video. And then we also go to the video, um, Dave Feldman, who, uh, wrote the, well, I guess he has a, his website is called the cholesterol code, I think. Um, and, uh, he has done a tremendous amount of research on cholesterol and has collated it all into, um, just a mass of, incredible, you know, information. Mm -hmm. And, uh, on the front page of the website, he has pinned a post that says, I think it's called start here. And so it explains like, what is cholesterol? What is your doctor concerned about? What, you know, but what are the actual risks and Mm -hmm. all of that? And, you know, a lot of times with the, you know, what he's been able to show, I mean, looking at the data that, you know, high cholesterol doesn't walk hand in hand with, um, death from heart attack. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what you care about. Like, I don't really care about like what a, a potential signal in my body is doing. I, I care about, you know, falling down dead on the sidewalk. Right. 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 Yeah. So, Yeah. 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 So, um, 
So, you know, I mean, I can't tell people what to do. And certainly even at the doctors, you know, doctors don't, you know, I mean, they tell us what to do and we do or we don't do it. Right. Um, so, you know, I give people that information and, and encourage them to research it and make their own decision about what they want to do. Yeah. That, yeah. And I want to throw out the book, the cholesterol myth. I don't remember who wrote it, but I read this way back when I was in nutrition school and it really goes into sort of the history of the studies that they cherry picked in order to say that cholesterol was this, you know, heart disease killer. Um, and there was a lot of studies out at the time that showed that there wasn't a correlation or a connection, Um, but you know, what, what won out was the idea that it was a killer. And so we've got medication that's going to help lower it, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pretty fascinating book to just go in and understand how we even collectively got to the idea that cholesterol was, you know, the heart disease Mm -hmm. issue. Um, so yeah, I encourage people just in general, because I talk all the time and I'm glad that you brought that up about sugar being, you know, much more of the underlying issue when it comes to heart health than anything else. And really yeah. sugar is the underlying issue for the majority of our major diseases. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly though, if I could eat nothing but sugar and <laughs> have no consequences, but You're like, the consequences are on. steep. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, do you, do you have any cravings for sugar? Do you feel like, or is it, um, primarily gone? So like the physical craving, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes and I think about like the early days of quitting smoking where like, you know, my feet are already starting to walk to the corner store, right. but you know, my head's like, no, no, I don't want to smoke, but my yeah. body's already moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those days of that level of craving where mm-hmm. it's like, it's a physical, you know, real pain. Um, those days are gone, but Mm -hmm. you know, the emotional imprint of using sugar for emotional management is, is still there. I mean, you know, and so it's now I'm calling on myself to be the adult and, um, broaden my toolkit and have more, uh, means of dealing with my emotional, um, life. So, uh, so I won't say that I don't have, um, a desire, but the desire is, more abstract, you yeah. know, it's not like, it's not like a painful craving. And I, I remember, you. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting, um, I, I had coffee this weekend with some friends mm-hmm. and, um, they, uh, ordered a, a chocolate chip cookie that was mm-hmm. like chocolate, chocolate chips. And it, was in, <laughs> it was particularly chocolatey and yeah. listening and stuff. And as they were biting it, into it and breaking it open and stuff, I was looking at it thinking, wow, that's a good looking cookie. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I am sort of having a desire, but like not enough that any of my neurons would fire to reach my hand over. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just, I'm looking at it, but it's not enough to like, it's easy enough to look away and then I'm just kind of done with it. Right. So, and it's amazing uh, to get to that place, right. With any kind of, because I mean, ultimately sugar is an addiction, you know, it has addictive properties just as much as any drug. And it's probably our biggest addiction in, you know, in America. So I, I love that you explaining that you're getting to that point where, cause I mean, anything that we're addicted to, you know, we're going to 
have to face again in our lives. And we're going to have to sort of like choose whether or not to partake in it. If it's, you know, something that's not good for us. Um, but getting to that point where you're like, I see it, I see it can be enjoyable, but I also can choose not to. And it's not painful to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think definitely get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I think is really important for anybody that's listening to, to really take in. And I I think also once you get on carnivore, you start to feel so, so much better and not like a little bit better, but a lot better. And so that first bite of something, there may be some pleasure in there, but 20 minutes later, you're already starting to feel a thousand times worse. You know, the pain, the aches and pains, whatever autoimmune stuff, whatever thing you were working on and healing, all that comes rushing back. And, you know, then it's kind of like, damn it. Oh, (laughs) it's like carnivore made me feel a lot better, not a little bit better. Right. So yeah, everybody has to go through that. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have those moments, right? Because then you can Mm -hmm. really see how far you've come. Well, this has just been a fascinating, fascinating conversation. I've really, really enjoyed hearing about your process and then, you know, what you're doing to um, support particularly the Black women out there, um, you know, and and I think it is so important because I, I do have to say that, like, a lot of what I've seen around carnivore is sort of that bro culture, as I mentioned before, right? And having a feminine approach, you know, the sort of more like inviting, I think is, is good, obviously for a lot of, um, you know, people that lean more towards the feminine and sort of need, need that invitation. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So tell people where they can connect with you. Absolutely. Make sure to come to my YouTube channel. It's Black Carnivore. And there you will find like tons of interviews with regular people who have adopted a carnivore diet and transformed their health. I think that, uh, you know, many people like appreciate the science, the studies, but um, sometimes it's more impactful just to hear the straight up testimony of a regular person who's got like your problem and your disease and is fixing it by following a carnivore diet. So you can check out that and then I have lots of videos to sort of, you know, give you more information about carnivore, how to do it, some food videos, that sort of thing. And then you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at black carnivore. And, um, you know, I, you know, try to post <laughs> interesting and, uh, inspiring content. So you can find me there. And then I lurk on other social media. Um, but <laughs> you'll, be, you'll best find me. Yeah. You'll best <laughs> find me on uh, Instagram. And then I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a private Facebook group for black carnivores. So feel free to, um, you know, come check me out there. And uh, yeah, I love yeah. to, you know, love to converse with people. And then people can apply to work with you through the black mm-hmm. backslash apply now. Um, but yeah, your Instagram's great. I love it. So um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the hardest part of doing this way of eating is really having the consistency and uh, sustainability when the rest of the world is pushed you know, forcing sugar in your face. So working with my program really gives you that kind of daily accountability. And that's what helps people to really, you know, get their best foot forward and get started on carnivore. So that is definitely one reason why you want to work with me. Yeah. Sounds great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks again for being on here today, sharing all your wisdom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Okay, guys, I will see you next time.